Well, hey, good morning again. Welcome. Come on in and join us. Grab that coffee and come join us. Four years old. Here we are Woo-hoo. together, still meeting in an elementary school, but toddling about as a, as, a, as a church. It's pretty awesome. It's, I'm so happy to be on this journey together. So excited for what's to come. We're in the middle of facility search and just considering where God's inviting us into this neighborhood, into this community. It's going to be beautiful. So um, I remember when I was young, I was actually three years old when I uh, learned to ride a bike without training wheels. We took the training wheels off. Dad got me started. Quickly, I was outpacing him, and it went beautifully until the bush, of course. Uh, So I remember learning to ride a bike. I don't remember, though, learning to walk. And I don't remember learning to walk, but I remember when our girls learned to walk. They were about a year old, and I remember how hard it was for them. But they were highly motivated. They were highly motivated. They wanted to walk, but they would run, and they would tumble, and they'd lose their balance, and they would continually fall. But eventually, they got it. And now our girls are 8 and 10 years old, and now we get to go on walks together around the neighborhood or to the park. And it's interesting, they, they're no longer learning to walk, but they're now learning to walk with someone else. They're learning what it means to keep pace, to um, go next to someone instead of right in front of someone and cut them off. Like Those are all learned skills, and they're learning to be more aware of others as they walk. You know, it's a, it, it's a beautiful journey in life to walk with other people, and it is the way of Jesus. Uh, so Jesus was a rabbi in the first century, uh, and the rabbis uh, were the teachers. They were highly respected and revered people in Israelite culture. And it was the way of a rabbi to travel from town to town, to walk from town to town and to teach in the synagogues, and to work in those communities. But from each town to the next, they would walk. And their disciples, their closest followers, would walk with them. In in the first century, there was, it said that there was um, a statement of blessing, kind of, uh, you know, God be with you, or blessing, that went, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. It was a statement of blessing, may you be walking with, following your rabbi, may you be learning and growing together. And so Jesus would invite people, come and follow me, and they would walk, and they would travel together, and he'd point out the vineyards, and he'd point out the type of soil, and he'd bring about these uh, beautiful, remarkable, insightful teachings about the kingdom of God and the things happening on earth as they would walk together. Yes. And so today we're going to look at the life of Peter and specifically how Peter walked with Jesus. Now, Peter was called Simon. He was given the name Peter later by Jesus. And um, Simon Peter was born into a family that their family business was fishing. And so he was a fisherman with the rest of his family. And it's clear that Simon Peter wasn't a part of the social elite with a lot of money, and he also wasn't a part of the religious elite who would walk um, with a rabbi. Rather, they were just ordinary working people. And they lived near the Sea of Galilee. And I have some pictures of the Sea of Galilee. When it rains there, it's a green and it's just 
gorgeous. And then they also have a dry season. And that is not a picture of the Tri-Cities. That is not a picture of the Columbia. Like it totally looks. I think I can see my house. (laughs) It totally looks like the Tri-Cities. But that is a picture of uh, the Sea of Galilee during the dry season. And in the 1980s, there was a drought, and so the water level went down quite a bit. And archaeologists found um, and dug up a first-century fishing boat. And that's the other picture you see up there, the remains of this first-century fishing boat. It's dubbed the Jesus boat, uh, but there's no evidence that Jesus actually you know, got into that boat. But that's the type of fishing boat that Peter would have fished from. And so let's start, um, as we look at the life of Peter, let's start in Mark 1, verse 16. Mark says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. So just imagine the scene. Look at the pictures. Imagine what it must have felt like to be there with the breeze and the smell coming off of the water. And there was a crowd of people following Jesus. And Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and people were listening to him as he spoke. And pretty soon they walked up on a family of fishermen, and Peter was with them. And they were probably casting nets or fixing the nets or cleaning the nets or cleaning the fish. They were just doing their ordinary ordinary work routine when they saw Jesus come and they heard him speaking. Luke 5, um, the, the account in Luke, actually describes the crowd pressing in on Jesus because they were so excited to hear what he had to say. And Jesus asking if he could step into Peter's boat and use it as a platform. And then once he was done speaking to the crowd, he turns to Peter and to Andrew. And in verse 17, it says this, Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Jesus says, come, leave it all. Just come and follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. So what does that mean, to fish for people? Um, that, w- that wouldn't be a good metaphor for, for Jesus to say to me, because I don't really understand fishing all that much. But Peter was a fisherman, and so this made sense to Peter. He says, come and cast out an invitation for people to come and to know me, for people to come and to know God, to point the hearts and minds of people to Jesus. Jesus here was offering Peter a purpose and a meaning for his life greater than what he had known simply as a fisherman. He says, come and walk with this rabbi. Walk with me, learning my teaching and inviting others to the way of Jesus. So Peter left the Sea of Galilee following Jesus. He left behind his family uh, 
trade as a fisherman, and he moves on. But it turns out that Peter gains quite a reputation when it comes to water. Uh, e- even though he'd left fishing behind, water becomes central to his story. Uh, first story that I think is fascinating about the water is found in Matthew chapter 14. And uh, Jesus has been teaching. Thousands of people have been coming and listening to Jesus, and his disciples have gone out on a boat. And Jesus stayed behind on shore for a while while a storm came up. And late in the night, early in the morning, Jesus goes walking out on the water to the boat. And the apostles, the, his followers that are in the boat, they, they're afraid. They're panicked. What is happening? Who is this? And, and Jesus says, take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. And in verse uh, 28, Peter says this. He says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And so Peter steps out of the boat onto the water and walks towards Jesus. But he sees the wind and he sees the wave and he gets scared. And so he begins to sink into the water, and Jesus pulls him out. What's interesting to me about Peter in this story is that we often tell this story as a failure. We we often tell this as a story about his doubt or his fear overcoming him. But I I tell this story, and I I perceive this story as a success story. You see, because while everyone else sat safely in the boat, Peter is the one who says, Jesus, if that's where you are, I'll give up the safety of the boat. I'll take the wind and I'll take the waves because I want to be with you. I love this in Peter's character. He was impulsive and he was willing to take action. So years ago, I was 17 years old and I was in Botswana. And willing to take action. Right. No, no, that was all okay. (laughs) I was impulsive back then, but not anymore, if you know me. Not anymore. 17 years old, Botswana, Africa. I was on mission trip exploring overseas missions with my uncle, and we found ourselves at one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. Um, here we are at Victoria Falls um, uh, in between Zambia and Zimbabwe, and it is a massive, massive waterfall. Um, and so you see this bridge here over the Zambezi River, um, You can see the waterfalls from that bridge, and yet, though I'm standing at one of the most beautiful locations I've ever seen, I found myself much more captivated by what was happening on the other side of the bridge. You see, on the other side of the bridge was the bungee jumping. And, um, and, you know, I, I remember standing and watching for a long time as uh, people took this plunge 364 feet uh, with a rubber band tied to your ankles. And, um, and it was incredible to watch. Like, it was exciting. Like, that looks so cool. But let me tell you, once you've paid your money and you stand on the edge of that bridge with your toes hanging over the edge, looking down 364 feet, uh, sometimes the ideals and the reality of experience of, a, of an experience are a little bit different, right? Can, can you track with me how it looked like a great idea until you're standing on the ledge. And uh, you see in this picture that big brute of a man, uh, his job is to push you off at the end of the countdown. Um, and so I watched time and time again as they count down, three, two, one, bungee, and uh, people, people hesitate, and he just gives a nice little shove in the back, and off you go. So I find myself standing on the edge of uh, this, this bridge, uh, looking down, and they're about to start the countdown, and I said, I really want to do this myself to the big guy behind me that wanted to push me off. Um, 
And, uh, and so they count down, and instead of, I don't know, I, I didn't prepare myself in any way. I think what I did was I just blocked out all of the reality of what was happening in that moment. Three, two, one, bungee, and I dove. This is the way of Peter. This was, this was one of those moments in life where, like, the fear was overwhelming. Um, the, the, who knows what the potential was? I was terrified, and yet it was time to take a leap of faith. And this is the way of Peter. In fact, there's another story where he, again, is the one guy soaking wet uh, when all the other apostles are safe in a boat. Jesus has been crucified. He's risen from the dead. He's appeared to his followers, but they are lost. They are reeling. Like, what comes next in our journey? And so Peter and the apostles, they go back to what they know. They go back to fishing. And they find themselves out fishing uh, and having caught no fish over the course of that night. And Jesus shows up on the shore, and he makes a fire there on the shore. And uh, he calls out to him, kind of in a mocking tone, uh, why aren't you catching anything? I've got an idea. Cast your net on the other side of the boat. And they do, and they, re- and, and they catch um, an enormous amount of fish that weighs the boat down. And, uh, and at that moment, when they catch all these fish, it clicks in their mind. That's Jesus speaking to us from the shore. The Jesus that they had witnessed crucified, the, the Jesus that they had loved and followed for years of their life, Jesus is on the shore. And so while everyone else struggles to get the fishing boat back into shore with this massive net full of fish behind them, Peter dives out of the boat. He takes a leap and he swims for shore because no amount of time is too little for him to wait to be in the presence of Jesus. Peter desperately desires to approach and be in the presence of Jesus. Peter was passionate and he was deeply in love with Jesus and he had a deep faith in Jesus. And um, because of this, he was the first disciple to declare Jesus the Messiah. When no one else had said it yet, he was the first to say, you are God's Messiah. And the Messiah was the long-awaited Savior that Israel had waited centuries for. In Luke 9, this is how the story goes. Verse 18, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist and others say Elijah and still others, one of the prophets of long ago that has come back to life. But Jesus asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. When Jesus just looks at them in the eye and say, but who do you believe I am? Peter's the one who speaks up, having walked with Jesus, having heard his teachings, having experienced his miracles. He's willing to be bold and to say it out loud that you are the Savior, the Messiah. See, Peter is bold and he's confident and he's not afraid to listen to his heart. He's not afraid to to step out and be the first. And I love that about Peter. And yet also, Peter's faith journey has many ups and many downs. Like us, Peter faced real challenges. And there were times in his life when fear took over. 
kind of like the story Micah was telling. When he jumped out to walk to Jesus, there was a moment of fear there, and he began to sink. You know, so fear at times took over his life. Um, towards the end of Jesus' ministry, Jesus predicted that when, when the end came, his disciples would flee. His disciples would desert him. And when Peter heard Jesus say this, he denied it. He said, no way. I am not going to walk away when that moment comes. And yet, and Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, you are actually. In fact, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows tomorrow morning. And, and Peter's like, no way. But when the time came, the disciples did flee. And they ran away when they came to arrest Jesus. And after he had run, Peter loops back and from a distance follows Jesus to see what will happen to Jesus. And he tries to disguise himself in the crowd, but people notice him. And they notice his accent. And they, they call him out. And they say, you've been with Jesus. And three times Peter denies Jesus. He gives in to the fear when his life was on the line. He gives in to that fear. And Luke 22 tells the story in detail. And as, as Peter's denying Jesus for the last time, the third time, in that moment, the rooster crows. And in that same moment, Jesus looks up from across the courtyard and makes eye contact with Peter. And, and, and Luke writes that Peter left, he went outside, and he wept bitterly. I think that could be translated, there's a whole lot, whole lot of ugly crying happening in that moment. Just heartfelt um, weeping because he had failed Jesus in that moment when Jesus really needed him. You know, it's sometimes so easy to read through scripture and to read about these characters and, and to put them on this pedestal. And to say, you know what, they, um, they really, they kind of had it easy. Or they, maybe they had it all figured out. Or maybe they, um, their lives weren't as messy. They didn't have to deal with the stuff I have to deal with now. And one of the things that, as we look at the life of Peter, that's really encouraging to me, is that we see Peter's humanity. We see the ups and we see the downs. We see the big successes and we also see the failures. And, and we see Peter continually get back up and engage his faith over and over. Even when he's failed, he gets back up and he makes himself available to Jesus. And because of that, Jesus is able to use him in powerful ways. In fact, Peter would become a central leader in the church that began 2,000 years ago and continues today in this little room and in buildings and facilities throughout the Tri-Cities and the world. He would be a central leader. Uh, after his denial and Jesus' crucifixion, he comes and remember he made that campfire on the shore. And after they'd shared the meal that they had caught in the river, Jesus pulls Peter aside and he says, do you love me? And Peter said, oh, of course, I love you. And Jesus asked again, do you love me? And he said, yes, I love you. And a third time, Jesus asked, do you love me? And Peter's getting offended. Why? I've already answered this question. And Jesus says, okay, then do this. Feed my sheep. 
And again, this is an illustration and an idea that doesn't directly relate to our culture today, but what he's saying is take care of my people. Watch over my people. And so Peter did exactly that as the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and the church began this Jewish movement of people that believed in a risen Savior, that believed Jesus was alive. The church began and it quickly moved outside of the walls of Israel. Peter has this encounter with a man named Cornelius. You can read about it in the book of Acts. And God says, do not call unclean what I have made clean. And the gospel and the hope of Jesus was open to all of the world and the church begin to thrive and to grow. And here, 2,000 years later, we participate in that story of God. And so you might be wondering, why all the conversation about Peter? I mean, it was just a character study. We wanted to set up a new series and wanted to set up uh, a conversation. You see, we're going to dive into the book of 1 Peter, a book written by this man, Peter. And I think without some of the understanding of his life experiences, the ups and downs, it would sound like just some churchy book of the Bible that we're talking about. But instead, we get to hear uh, the story of a man named Peter who walked with Jesus right? Who traveled with Jesus, who then we get to learn from. Those that went before us and those that walked with Jesus. So what can we take away, though, from the story of this man's life, Peter? I think for me and for us today, our invitation is to walk with Jesus. Our invitation, um, just like Peter's invitation, Jesus is asking us, inviting us, will you walk with me throughout your life? Will, will I be your rabbi? Will you learn from me? Will you learn the ways that I walk? Will you learn my teachings, the teachings of love and devotion towards God and love and compassion towards others? Will you learn? Will you listen to what I have to say? And then will you walk with me as I have walked in our homes we ask the question, how do we walk with Jesus? When we're at the grocery store, when we're out doing our errands, like how do we walk with Jesus? When we're in our workplaces, the conversations we have, Jesus is inviting us to walk with him. And that's what this study is going to be about. What does it look like to, to walk with Jesus, to walk as he walked, and to put into practice what he is teaching I'm struck by the reality that um, Peter had a lot of choices in life. Like mm-hmm. he could have gone a lot of directions and done a lot of things, but it was availabil- his availability mm-hmm. to God, his availability to Jesus that defined the life that he lived, the central role that he played in the beginning of the church, all of the ups and downs and all that happened in his life were, were the results of his availability. And so he made himself available, lived a remarkable Mm -hmm. life, and has remarkable things to teach us, I believe. And one thing to keep in mind as we we contemplate this invitation is that Jesus invites us to come just as we are, wherever we're at in in our journey, to come as we are, and then that he will empower and he will equip us to walk as he walks. And and the thing that really strikes me is that it's not just a, hey, I'm going to teach you how to do it, and then you go do it sort of thing. Jesus says, I will be with you always. I will be right there walking with you as you walk 
in this way. And that's just powerful. That's the journey that's worth going on. It is. I like that. Well put. So the story continues. As we dive into First Peter, we'll get to talk about politics. We'll get to talk about <laughs> spirituality. Yay. We'll get to talk about marriage. We'll talk about mm-hmm. service and love and many remarkable things. We hope you'll journey with us as we explore God's Word in the book of First Peter. Mm-hmm. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this beautiful invitation to walk with you. Lord, we thank you that Jesus came to earth to walk the roads here with humanity. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. And God, I pray that you would teach us to be available to you. Lord, teach us to walk as you walk, to be um, instruments of your peace and of your love as we go through our life, through all the ups and through the downs. Lord, we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the beautiful things about the church is an invitation to walk together. Mm-hmm. That we don't go on the spiritual journey alone. That when we face challenges or when we celebrate great successes, we don't do so alone. And so we do want to mention that there's an invitation. If this is a new conversation to you, or if you are in a place where you'd like to take a next step in your mm-hmm. faith journey, we want you to know we are honored to walk alongside you in whatever season of life you find yourself in right now. Absolutely. So we want to leave you with this benediction. May we continually accept the invitation to walk with Jesus. May we find a greater meaning and purpose for our lives as we walk as Jesus walked. May we keep getting up and engaging our faith when we stumble. And may God use each of us to spread his love in our community.